Welcome back to Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson, and today we are back with part two of our Big Ten team previews. Uh, we're previewing Michigan State today. I'm joined by uh, DK, David. We're, we're still trying to figure out exactly what I need to call him. But uh, of you know DK Hoops on Twitter, as you can find him. But appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, How's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me on. Always excited to talk a little uh, basketball. That weather's starting to turn, and it feels like uh, we're creeping closer to football, which means hoops is around the corner. Yeah, like, what, 10, 10 weeks, 11 weeks, something like that away. So I'm excited. Um, we can just kind of jump right in. And, you know, first kind of want to talk about last year a little bit. Um, Michigan State goes 11-8 and eight in conference. Would have been 12-8 and eight if, you know, the scheduling was able to happen. Um, Minnesota, so- that's probably a win. Yes, last yeah. year. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty safe to assume that that would one would have been a win. Uh, twelve, so eleven eight, twelve and eight, um, Sweet Sixteen run, the solid season overall. There was definitely some ups and downs, but kind of what were your thoughts just just on the season overall, um, and then kind of just a broad preview of kind of what you're thinking for this team this year. Yeah, I would say you know, generally speaking, I think that they kind of reached where I thought their ceiling was for the year. Coming in, I think I had them fourth. That's where they ended up finishing um, for the Big Ten tournament. They were they were slotted into the fourth. It was kind of a jumbled mess, obviously, really from two all the way down to ten or whatever it was. Um, pretty compact in the middle of the Big Ten there. But uh, I thought that they needed to make a second weekend because it had been a little bit of time. Obviously, they go on the Final Four run in 2019. They don't have the tournament in 2020 when they're kind of rounding to form with Winston and Tillman. So maybe, you know, we're not talking about that as much if that tournament happens, uh, but maybe they get knocked out early. That's just the way that March goes sometimes. So I, I think that the last couple of years, it's really been just a bit of a struggle. They they really haven't solidified the point guard or center spot. I, I think that last year towards the end of the year, uh, really outside the Big Ten tournament where we saw AJ kind of nodding along to uh, Izzo's comments on the bench and he, he didn't play much that game. But I thought it clicked in the tournament and he didn't allow maybe some of the ups and downs to get so much to him. He said steady play. And then obviously the Kansas State game, the top two or three game in the entire tournament. I mean, yeah. the shot making was unbelievable last year. So I think that this team kind of maxed it out, given some of maybe the front court limitations, the ability to protect the paint um, and to really score at the rim, which which they didn't do very well last year either. So I would say overall, I think I was pretty happy of it. Obviously, I would have preferred an elite run, lead eight run or a final four. Um, but I think for the most part, the team kind of maximized out what they were for the season. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. And I think, you know, specifically with the tourney talk um, or the tourney in general, right? MSU just looked comfortable. Like that just seemed like that was some of their most comfortable basketball they played. And you mentioned Hogarth. I think he had a lot to do with it. It's just, um, you know, coming in what they had USC round one and then Marquette round two, like both of those games yeah. just seemed like it was like, yeah, no, like MSU's the better team. And then like you said, the K-State game was, it was my favorite game of the tourney, like just absolute haymakers back and forth. Um, you know, OT game could go either way. And if it, if it goes MSU's way, like, you know, who knows how far they could go. Um, and, they bring every pretty much all their key pieces back except for like one. And I think he'll, he's a very important piece in Hauser, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I know there's high hopes. There's, you know, preseason top five pretty consistently. Um, and I think with this team, you kind of got to start with this backcourt, right? Of, of Hogarth and, and Walker. And I kind of throw Aikens in there as more of a perimeter player. I know he'll be a three, but he's, you know, more of, he was more of a guard type wing. Um, 
what do you kind of see as a jump or like a leap that maybe they could take as you know, they're both what Walker's fifth year, Hogarth's senior. Like these aren't usually Hogarth's an old, an old senior too. I think he turns 23 at the beginning of the season. Oh. So oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, exactly. Old, two old guys, like not necessarily ones you expect to take huge jumps, but do you see any room for improvement or do you think it's just going to be like um, kind of similar to last year and how good of a backcourt can they be in the entire country? Yeah, I, I think that they can – I mean, if you're throwing Aikens in the mix, and we're talking all three, plus Jeremy Fears Jr., who I'm very high on backing up the point guard spot. Um, I think it's as deep and as talented a backcourt as you can really find in the country. Um, Sleepers Media did that the other day where they were talking about maybe potential other backcourts. USC was brought up. I think that that is a good one. Isaiah Collier and Boogie Ellis is a really nice combination. If Ronnie James is actually able to play this season, that's a, that's a nice trio. Um, you know, Kansas could maybe be somewhere in that conversation, Duke. Um, but if you're looking in terms of veteran guys and guys that kind of fill different roles, and I think that's what I really like about the backcourt. Uh, AJ has to be more consistent. It, it just starts with that. I think there was too much up and down still for parts of the season. Um, the 25 point performance against Kansas State, he had seven points in overtime. That's the kind of guy and Maybe not production-wise, you need to see that all that time, but the guy that plays with that type of confidence that physically imposes his will on smaller guards because I think he's got a lot more game to be able to get to the rim and kind of big body guys. And we see that in spots, but I think he can go to it more. The shot continues to come around. He took a significant jump uh, at the free throw line. I think he was in the low 60s and jumped up into the 80s. Uh, last year. And I think that was huge for him because he started yeah. generating a little bit more contact at the rim. And then you got this guy that's kind of slippery in ball screens and Tyson Walker, a guy that can pull up in the mid range. He can get all the way to the rim and kind of finish craftily. And a guy that can, that can shoot off the bounce. Um, you know, he, he shot the ball extremely well over two years. I think you saw the strides that he made getting comfortable in his second year and kind of playing up after he came from Northeastern. Uh, and then Jane Aikens is just the do everything guy, right? He's, he's an athlete. Uh, fought some foot injuries um, last year at the beginning of the season, and then he really finished strongly. I think over his last seven, he averaged like 13.4 points per game. He was shooting 50% from deep on almost five attempts a game, like a three and D perfect kind of like guy to mix in with the other two. They all pro pro provide a little bit something different. And I think collectively um, Michigan State's success is really going to be determined on how well it gels together. And then the, I think the minor steps that can be made, AJ's consistency. I think Walker has more points per game to give. And I think with uh, Hauser leaving, both he and Aikens are going to get uh, a few more shots. It's 10 field goals coming out the door from the starting lineup. You figure that even if you split, you know, three apiece for those guys, you're going to see some jumps in the production. Yeah. I agree with a lot that you said. Like, I think that ultimately the season comes down, not ultimately, because there's a lot of, different guys that could step up but like Hogarth just if he can be consistent then MSU like it's gonna be much much more likely to reach their ceiling and the ceiling is a final four run like national national championship contender um you know with Walker I'm kind of looking like just do honestly just do the same season again and you're <laughs> like you're happy yeah. with it I've me personally I'd like to see a little bit better finishing at the rim but he's also you yeah. know six one on a smaller side like I think he shot like 52 percent or something like that 53 percent at the rim so it's like, you know, it's not it's not the worst. You're hoping maybe that can bump up a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, Hogard, like, he takes it. He took a big jump in shooting. You mentioned the free throw. He went from 63 to 80% threes. It was, you know, he still, he took about a little over two a game. He jumped from 22 to 33%. If he can be, like, 
a 35. 30, yeah. I mean, even you know, 30, take three a game again. to keep yeah. the defenses honest. I think it opens up more parts of the game to be able to get to the rim, which is where I think he's at his best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, or even, yeah, just make defenses at least think about it. I don't know if he'll ever get to the point where it's, they're going to sell out. Obviously, that'd be good for MSU. Um, and I like the flexibility that he provides. Like, I was watching games back, I think it was Nebraska. Um, it, yeah, it was the Nebraska game kind of late in the season where MSU, the first half was just not yes, on it. it was at their place and they played like yeah, complete dog shit and it looked like they were going to lose that game and then they blew yeah. them out in the second half second half they just hit every three in sight but first play like so they you know they knew nebraska's doubling in the post right and first play of the second half is it was like all right hogard you just go post up and now you have him facilitating out of the double team just things like that it's like oh yeah you can just do that with a guy like him especially when you i'd like to see them inverse it more wisconsin has always been so good about when they have a bigger guard inversing it and putting them on the block to me like I would love to see them go to that even a little bit more, especially in certain matchups when it's like, you know, like Doug McDaniels on him or something like go into yeah. the post and, and eat on one of those guys, you know? Exactly. And then it also is a, it's not fair when you can do that. And then your spacers are, or last year was your spacers could be Walker, Aikens and Hauser, all 43 plus on legitimate uh, attempts. So a lot of options there. And I think that's going to be, you know, a theme with MSU. Before we dive into the rest, the rest of the roster, though, um, I do think I, we need to talk about Hauser a little bit. I don't think we need to go too in depth, but like that's a really big piece. I think that they lose. He's he was their most consistent um, big type player by far. He was number twelve or something like that in three point percent. It's just it felt like it, it was it felt rare that he missed. Do you think that it's being overlooked a little bit? Do you think people are taking into account enough? And just how big of a loss do you think it is? I think it's a significant loss for the spacing factor. Um, like you mentioned, having three guys around past first point guard who can spray from 40% plus, that really kind of opened it up. Um, and if the center spot had maybe been a little bit better defensively, maybe they would have made a deeper run. Um, but the one downside I would say, even though Hauser was a good rebounder, defensively there was some to be left uh, on the board with, just having him in that four spot. He wasn't as much of a liability as he was maybe the first two years he was at Michigan State. I thought he became an average defender, which which would be good enough in most instances if they had a really good center defensively, um, but they didn't. And so to have kind of those holes in the front court, Michigan State has just not done a good enough job the last three years since Xavier Tillman has departed of protecting the paint in a league that feasts in the paint with all the big men that have come through. So I, I think that that's really been – one of the things that I've been just waiting for this roster to finally get is just to see some more front court athleticism really since Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson left. Um, you know, Tillman was great. I wouldn't call him like a super athlete. He was just really, really strong and steady. Uh, obviously one defensive player of the year, but since those guys have departed, there's just not been enough athleticism in the front court to protect it or finish on the other side. And I think that that is maybe the trade-off that you're going to see. Um, obviously Malik Hall, um, was banged up all last season. I think there's a realm where he maybe returns back to more his junior efficiency. And I personally prefer to see him maybe in that 22 minutes per game because the guys behind him are, are what I really would like to see come through. But if he could give you nine to five, uh, nine, nine points, five rebounds, shoot 37%, I think is his career average somewhere around there on the season, play 22 minutes per game. I think he's a pretty stable force. And then when you look behind him and you see Cohen Carr, who may be the most best pound for pound athlete in this entire 2023 class, 
Um, and a top 10 guy in Xavier Booker, who's raw, but has has a skill set to be able to finish at the rim and maybe a, a secondary rim protector as well. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about, even though you're missing the shooting, but you're you're gaining some athleticism. that The roster is, in my opinion, desperately needed the last few years. Yeah, and I think it works well, too, with we already mentioned like Akins and Walker, legitimate, legitimate shooters. You're hoping you get some from Hall. Um, I don't think Carr took too many in high school, if I'm remembering correctly. But he did not um, take very many. Yeah. But I guess if you could basically jump over the backboard, you probably live at the rim, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter then. So I think that kind of leads into one of the biggest question probably about MSU, at least in my opinion, and I assume it's in general, is just what exactly this front court room looks like. You had it just felt like at times last year, and there's specific games. Izzo was just cycling through bigs just to see, just to try to find something that would work that game. Um, I think it's interesting. You know, you look at Sissoko, Cooper, um, and Kohler. Kohler, yeah, yeah. It's blanking for a second. Then you bring in, you know, you think Carr can be a four? I think Carr is a four, and in some instances, maybe he slides up to the three. Okay. Yeah, I think and he's I'm, physical enough, really, and athletic enough, and his lateral mobility will really allow him to guard one to four. Like, if he yeah. instinctually, I think he's very good off the ball. On ball for me, that's stuff that you just have to be taught. And if he can come along on that and, and parts of the season, um, I think he could maybe be Michigan State's best all around defender on the roster. Yeah, I could buy that. So he could be a three four. Booker's probably a four five. Um, yeah. So your front court room is some some combo of like Carr, Hall, Booker, and then the three bigs that I mentioned. What exactly are you looking for from them? I think it's interesting because the three specific fives, Cooper, Kohler, and Sissoko, like I think they all provide very very different things. I know you've you've been on the Cooper uh, or you started the Cooper train this summer, so <laughs> give you the chance to kind of go off on that too. But what are you kind of looking for from from the five for MSU next year, just in general? Yeah, so because the guard depth is so good and so deep, and that is going to be really the focal point of the offense, I think really what you need to get out of the defensive or the the center position is just solid defense and a serviceable uh, finisher. I don't think that that position needs to be crazy. Uh, would it be like lovely to have a Zach Eady type or you know one of the better centers, even like a Cliff Amaruye who could who could completely anchor the paint? You know he's going to finish everything that's around the rim. Like if they had that kind of guy, um, maybe Michigan State would even be pushing into the top two or three in this preseason. I think that the biggest question mark again coming into the season, which it has been in my opinion, really the last three years, has been what what are you going to get out of the center spot? Um, I think that we saw some of the flashes of upside. Matty Sissoko, the first two games, looked like a completely different player. And then he settled back down to earth. And um, I, I think he's solid. I think that if he had been in a role where he's playing 14 or 15 minutes per game and giving us what he gave us, that fans would be very happy. That that motor is high. The energy is always there. He's physical. Um, he just he doesn't have overly great hands, which is, is unfortunate because – um, it's it's difficult unless he's force fit to the rim to really finish. He has no low block game to speak of. And I think that at times he has a tendency to clog some of the offensive lanes for the guards. Uh, Kohler's a little bit of the opposite where he has like a really seasoned skill set on the low block, but he struggled a little bit with the athleticism, I think, um, just at the Big Ten. He's only, I think, really like 6'8", maybe pushing 6'9 in shoes. Um, so he's a guy that has shown the ability – 
um, to have a variety of different moves, but he didn't finish particularly well. He actually finished the worst of the three of them around the rim last year. Um, I think that his goal to being able to play maybe turning into kind of like a stretch center type where he gives you a little bit more, maybe in the mid range or even eventually out to three. If he's a guy that you can kind of move around and open up some space, I think that he's an interesting play. Um, but for me, as, as you know, I really think it, it comes back to Carson Cooper. Um, the three games that he played in the tournament after basically playing six minutes per game the whole year, um, a lot of junk time, a lot of inconsistent minutes, they played him almost 13 and a half. And I really think when I went back and watched the film and I cut the tape, for me, he provides the best uh, lateral mobility and the ability to defend the 1-5 pick and roll. He has the best positional size. He's 6'11". He's continued to add weight. He's 240, 245. I think he has good hands. Then I think there's some flashes that offensively he's going to be able to bring. He's going to be better as a pick and roll like finisher. But I think ultimately – if I'm picking one guy that I want to see play the most out of the three heading into the season, hopefully throughout, he's the guy that I think maybe gives them the most upside going forward um, in the group of the three of them. Yeah, I think you hit it right there with like, he's, he's the one that gives you a little bit more blends where it felt like Sissoko and Kohler are more, I don't want to say one dimensional, but like they have their things that they are good at and they have their things that they are bad at. Cooper is like kind of shown like he can do a little bit more. Um, and I, yeah, I agree. I think out of the five, like you're just looking for some rim protection, some paint protection. And then if you can finish near the rim, great. If you can step out and hit a jumper, fantastic. But I don't think it's like necessary. Um, you know, I think Izzo finds ways to utilize the five if they aren't a shooter is, you know, still help space the floor and things like that, whether it be rolling or dunker spot, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to be big. And then, you know, Booker's, I th I think Booker's probably more of a four, at least his freshman year. But like, if he can maybe give you some minutes out of five, just throw give you this different look of, I mean, you could throw out a lineup of Carr at the four and him at the five, and now you have one of the more athletic front courts. Speaking my like dream that. language, that's I really hope that that happens at parts in the season when you just have this ultra athletic, like the vertically poppy lineup out there in some spots in the season. I would love to see that. Yeah. And we can get to the freshman out because this is, you know, at least from the 247 sports like database, this is the best class I think that they've ever had. This They have two of their highest ranked recruits ever in Booker and Fears. Um, you know, then there's obviously Cohen Carr that we talked about with all the athleticism. Uh, I don't know, you know, Garrick Normans, I think he's more of, he might get some spot minutes just because MSU doesn't quite have, like, I feel like a true backup three. Carr can be some. Um, I think he'll need a bit more time. But you know, the other three for sure, Carr, Booker, Fears, like just elite dudes, elite hoopers coming in. We already mentioned Booker's a little bit raw. Carr is super athletic. Fears, I'm super high on him too. Um, what do you what are you kind of looking for from them this year? Like who do you think I guess who do you think impacts the team most right now? And then who are you think who are you most excited for long term out of the four? Yeah, so immediate impact to me. Um I lean Cohen Carr just because of the defensive versatility, the 1% uh, athleticism, which we just haven't seen in a little while. And I just think that the motor's high. He's going to come in and he's not going to be asked to do anything but rim run and finish, clean the glass, finish everything around there, and play good defense and, and have some weak side rim protection. Like I think he has a very clear-cut role where he, does, he isn't a guy that's going to need to touch the ball all the time to be able to, to be effective. And I think that he fits kind of nicely with 
what they've been missing, like I, I said earlier, and just kind of the way that the rest of the roster shaped. Um, if you AJ really hasn't had very many front court threats near the rim since he's been there, and I think that with a guy like Carr, with a guy like Booker, like there's just going to be a lot more lob throwing for him and a lot more fun tossing the ball up in some spots. Um, so if I'm going with the the immediate impact for this year, given the way that the kind of depth is set across the roster, I lean him. Um, I am still very high on Xavier Booker, and maybe he ends up taking the charge. I think physically he needs to fill out some, uh, and he's got to maybe just kind of find exactly what his role is going to be. I agree with you that maybe the best position for him is power forward defensively because I think he'd get eaten a little bit inside just the way he's built currently. Um but Jeremy Fears long-term has got to be the guy you're most excited about. It's the most important position on the floor. He has all the intangibles. He's a hard worker. He just He's a guy that will rip his heart out to, to win and leave it on the floor. And I think uh, it's a match made in heaven between him and Izzo. So uh, I think he's going to be a little bit boxed in this year. I'm hoping he gets at least 15 minutes per game. They find a way to be able to do that because I think he's going to be really exciting. Uh, they got to season him a little bit, and I think then he gets the keys past his sophomore year, and I'm, I'm excited to see what it ends up looking like. Do you think him and Hoger can share the floor at all? Like, is that something you think could happen? Because I feel like I'm just trying to think how he gets to 15 otherwise. I yeah, I right, think you're playing Hogarth 30 plus. Yeah, I think Hogarth's going to have a slight reduction in minutes. I, I think okay. that maybe he plays more like 27, and maybe Fears finds a way to get an extra couple at the two spot, perhaps. Uh, I, I will have to see what Trey Holloman looks like, but I think at a certain point in time, you just have to find a way to get Jeremy Fears on the floor. And if that means that, you know, he plays beside Hogarth in some spot minutes or something, he's a guy that you just got to continue to develop and you got to keep a little bit happy in today's transfer portal era. You got to find a way to get your most talented players on the floor. And he's a guy that you got to keep in the fold because I think uh, his upperclassman years could be really special, maybe even next year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I was about to mention like Holloman, he probably just gets squeezed, but it's also like, you know, he's going to have to take a step up offensively if he wants to have a more consistent role. But like if he's, you know, the 10th, 11th man on the bench or whatever that the number comes out to be, and he's a dude that Ozo can just be like, Hey, go play really hard defense for like three minutes. Like it's not not the worst thing to have on the bench for sure because I did like his defensive upside and I think he showed some intensity there. Um, I want to go back to the lobs really quick because when I was watching film the other day, uh, and Hogar's gonna have so much fun with them. Like some <laughs> of the, some of the passes he made to Sissoko, like I there was one specifically I I forget exactly what play set it up, but it was it ended up being a pick and roll, and he had I think Walker in the weak side corner. And he goes to like throw a pass, and I fully was like, "Oh yeah, this is just a skip pass." Walker's wide open, and no, he just throws this right next to the rim, right where only Sissoko could get it. And I was just like, "He's just so good with moving people with his eyes." I think too, he freezes people, and now he's gonna have Cohen Carr's throwing down East Bay's in game, and Booker's obviously super athletic. Sissoko in his minutes out there has shown he can dunk the ball well too. Um, Hogar's yeah, no, Hogar's gonna have a ton of fun with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. It'd be nice to see a few more dunks this season for Michigan State. We're used to having a little bit more athleticism in that front court, and we're, we're finally going to get it in those guys. Now, I think you bring a good point, too. Um, I, I think it's like a little understated how good of a passer A.J. is. I, I know he can be a little bit loose with the ball in spots. A lot of times it happens in like transition where he's like trying to bowl into two guys as, as he's going. Um, but I think in the half court set, he really has shown in spots to be a, a pretty good pick and roll maestro when he needs to be. 
Yeah. And I would, you know, obviously Purdue fans. So with Braden Smith, like there's a lot of fans that are like, oh, why does he do the jump passes and stuff? And like, I get it to a degree. And I think it's the same, same thing with Hogarth, right? Like he gets himself in trouble sometimes, but if he's making what Hogarth averaged six assists a game or whatever it is right around there. Yeah. Like if he's making that many plays, you almost just live with it. Right. At least a little bit. Like, and with me for the jump passes with Smith, like I'm kind of team like, Hey, if he's going to be that aggressive where he's trying to make plays like that, you just live with it because you, when you have the ball in your hands that much, right? Like you're going to make some mistakes and it's just going to happen. But if you're making a lot of good from it too, then it's probably worth it. Um, That's just kind of my take on it, but no, I agree. I think those you just named one and two best passers for me in the Big Ten. I don't think it's yep. particularly close either. I mean, Smith uh, Smith had a nice European tour, and yeah, he's he does. He gets himself caught in the air sometimes, but when he makes the pass, when it's like a bounce pass, you know, down the lane into the three point corner, and you're like, holy shit, what a pass! So yeah, you exactly. live you live with some of the the sizzle, the even though you know it's going to come to bite you here and there. Yeah, exactly. A um, couple more questions, and we'll get out of here. So. MSU played at their slowest offensive pace in the past decade, um, just per per Ken Palm offensive tempo. Do you think that's something that switches? Do you think that was like a like just because of personnel last year? Or do you think Izzo's like wanting to slow the game down, or is it also just a side effect of being in the slog that is the Big Ten? Yeah, personnel and depth, right? Akins and Hall both got banged up at parts in the season. The bench was not good. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. it. They just were a team that was probably like six or seven guys deep and two guys got injured at parts of the season. I think that they just had to end up playing a slower pace. And then it goes back to, again, like you're getting out and running. Who are the guys that you want finishing at the rim on the roster the last three years? They just haven't had it like outside of Aaron Henry, right? A, a few years back. So yeah. I think it changes a little bit. And that comes back to, again, like there's certain lineups that they can they can put onto the floor where Akins and Carr are running the wing and you have, you know, like Hall as the trail man as the four. Like there's a lot of different combinations of players and the versatility of the roster kind of up and down it. I, I really, really like um, that there's there's a big way to go from the 26 best team to a top five or 10 team this season in Ken Palm. Um, but I think that there's there's some pieces on the roster that can help it happen. Exactly. And one of those pieces, we've mentioned him some, but I think we need to talk about him specifically. And that is Jaden Akins. He's, you know, probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, like breakout star potential in the Big Ten. Um, and there's, you know, there's good reason for it. Shot 43% or whatever it was on high volume from three. Was kind of back and forth as, in this role as, as it was, you know, until Hall got hurt, I guess. But trying to figure out what they wanted to do exactly at the three. Um now it's it's his like it's his role you know you're going to play the three guards with with him out there with walker and hogard like what do you think he obviously we are expecting him you know we're expecting hoping that he takes a big jump if he does take that jump like what do you think that looks like for him i think he's got to finish better at the rim given how athletic he is particularly when you see him in transition um I, I think some of that has to do just w- with the foot injury that he had when you're a little bit uncertain, like taking off from that. And then you're going asked to get into the Big Ten where there's, you know, six, ten to seven foot guys in the paint every time. And, you know, you're going to get kind of banged up. Um, so maybe it was more of a mental thing for him. But I, I don't think that he finished particularly well. I don't know if you have that up, but I don't think he finished particularly yeah. well at the rim last year. So for me, I 49%. think the focal points. Yeah, it's not good. 
that for how athletic he is, that's yeah. it's nowhere where it should be. So yeah. I'd like to see that percentage in the country. So exactly. So I think it, it would be there. Um, I think that giving him more opportunity to maybe have some secondary pick and roll actions where he, maybe he comes down from a down screen and then they give him something. So he creates a little bit um, more isolation too. just give him kind of a space on the wing and let him go to work a little bit. I, I think that his skill set uh, definitely will allow for that. Um, but overall, really what he needs to do is go out there and knock down shots, play good defense, rebound, kind of do a little bit of everything. And I think that if uh, Izzo gives him a little bit higher offensive usage, he can maybe be a little bit more of a creative guy than he has been able to show thus far this season. I think he's got a little bit more in the bag and passing. I think his ability to manipulate defenses with his stop and go is there. And again, if he comes back and he just finishes better at the rim, um, I, I think that that's going to help. The free throw line's got to be better too. He had a little bit of a hitch in the free throw last season. He, he didn't shoot it particularly well. So I'd like to see that get up too. Yeah. And I think along with the rim, cause that's, that was one of my big points with him too. It's just got to be a better finisher at the rim. Uh, wasn't great at pull-ups. He was uh, in the 21st percentile of efficiency there. I think I forget the exact percentage somewhere in the low thirties. Um, so just kind of like, obviously he's an elite, elite shooter. What happens when he gets run off the line? You know, he's got to, he's got to be able to make that play more consistently. Kind of like you said, um, I really like his defense too. And I think he, is big enough that he can guard a good chunk of, or most threes. Like I don't think him being a three should be an issue, especially when you have Hogard who can kind of take some bigger guards too, and they'll kind of figure it out. That kind of leads me to like, am I wrong for saying, and I, I've been trying to think it through. So I'm not like just blatantly skipping over, but or forgetting somebody, but like is Hogard Aikens the best like perimeter defensive duo in the big 10, or at least one of them. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I know I put you on the spot for thinking. Yeah, I, I, teams, I'd but. have to really think about that. But I, I do think that's what I think just generally the roster, because I don't think Tyson's that bad either. He gets no. himself in some matchups where, you know, maybe it's not great because the size is a little bit much for him to handle, but he's got quick hands. I think he's really good in the lane there. So, and you kind of talked about it, like Hogard can guard a variety of players. When Johnny Davis was at Wisconsin, he guarded him from long stretches. He's guarded Bryce Sensiball. Uh, Chris Murray last year. So he's a guy that you can kind of move up and down. And what I like about Aikens too, is if you have a particularly hot guard or guard that has a little bit bigger size, you can slide, slide him over on him too. So um, yeah, I would lean towards it. I think Hogard is better on the ball than he is off it. Uh, we saw that a little bit in the Kansas state game, that backdoor lob, but I would say generally when I went back and watched film, I started kind of watching for that. I think he can fall asleep a little bit at the wheel when he's in the help side and he's not on the ball. Uh, but I think he's a really, really tough guy to get by when it's just one-on-one -on -one and you're playing individually. Um, and I think the same can kind of go for Aikens as well. So I, I lean towards that way. I know Penn State is pretty bullish on the combination of Clary and Baldwin as well. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who else would you think about? I guess in that context, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the point guard position is like really great defensively this year. I think that it's maybe has a higher upside in the offensive end. Yeah, I think maybe like IU fans would say Johnson Galloway, I guess. Um, I feel like Galloway is maybe overstated a, a touch as a defender, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's solid. I, but yeah, that's the or if Harris Smith is a good defender, then maybe him and Young. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I was kind of going. Like, there's guys that maybe you can make the case, and maybe I just hope I'm not forgetting an absolute like. No, no, it's def definitely them, but. Um, you know, they're one of the, I would say they're one of the top 
perimeter defensive duos in the in the conference. I'm pretty confident in that. So a uh, couple, just two really quick or quicker questions, and this one can just be like a one word answer if you want. Most excited player to watch this season for MSU, for you. Man, if he had a larger role, like I knew he was going to get 25 minutes per game, I'd say Cohen Carr, and I wouldn't even blink about it. Um, man, it's hard not to say Tyson Walker. He's just got that big shot clutch gene in him, and he's, he's just proven that he can score down the stretch. He had a really good close to the season, and I think I think he's in line to be a terror in the Big Ten again this year. So I'll go Tyson. Yeah, thank you. Can't go wrong with that. I'm I would lean. I'm going to say Aikens just because I'm excited to see what jump. But I think there's just legit four or five answers that like are very very reasonable. Last one. Um, so if I were to tell you this two parter, if I were to tell you that MSU is like had a successful season, they made the Final Four. You know, either won the Big Ten or split with whatever that comes out to be. What would you say? Like, if I told you that happened, what would you say? Like, oh yeah, these things probably happen. Then for that to happen, and then on the other end, if MSU has a bit of a disappointing season you know, what are some of the things that you'd be like, okay, this is probably why that happens. Okay. So I really think that it just goes back to the front court. Cause I, I would say the way that I look at the back court is at worst, like at worst, I think it's a pretty high floor for where they're going to be at this season. So it's really, is the center spot serviceable this season? Um, I think the answer to that question was in spots last year, but it needs to be consistently. And then I would say, what do you end up getting out of Cohen Carr and Xavier Booker? Um, so if they reach their goals, it's because either one or both um, end up contributing in a manner which makes Michigan State a better team on both sides of the ball. Um, so I would say, what do the freshman impact, the freshman front court player impact look like? Um and where where does that go from there so i really think it's in the front court that's the biggest question mark and if it goes well it's because they exceeded expectations if it goes poorly it's because they just couldn't put it together yeah that's pretty much my points here like it's continued perimeter success for me what can you get out of the four or five and then i think you need you know i think you need two freshmen to contribute and most likely is Carr and booker um, if norman can slide in as a backup three then that'd be obviously cool too um we didn't then, touch yeah. on him. I would say just physically, he looks like the least ready of the four guys from what I've seen yeah. in the photos and the film. Um, he's a guy that's going to be a knockdown shooter. And I think like eventually in his career, like he's going to be a guy who's got some shit to him. He can shoot a little bit off the bounce. Um, I, I like the future, but I just don't know if he has more than Spotman. It's kind of like you referred to this season. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at with him. I like some of his on-ball stuff too. Like if maybe he could be a secondary kind of ball handler at some point in his career. Um, I think yeah, like a season, like an season, maybe not quite. I think Lawyer gets does a really good job of getting to his spots, uh, like kind mm -hmm. of in the in the secondary. Um, but maybe like a type of guy like that, not like an over athlete. Even though I think he's a better athlete than either of those two guys, but a guy that can knock down some shots. Um, and maybe off a couple dribbles, you're comfortable for them to kind of get into that second level and then pull up. Yep. No, totally. Um, getting back to the to the failure, I think the only one other thing that I have is just like, I don't know if you want to call it regression, but just like a little bit of three-point shooting regression. They were third in the country last year. You lose Hauser. If that takes a drop, we already mentioned though, like you can probably counter that with like the athleticism Karin Booker brings, but like, if they did, you know, if this season isn't as good as they want, like I, I would assume that the three point percentage drops a bit too. 
Um, that would be the, yeah. I think the that that's probably thing. naturally going to happen, but just hopefully not in a significant manner. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited to watch them this year. Obviously, they're top two with Purdue. Uh, whatever. I think that I think the consensus probably is Purdue for the Big Ten, and then M- Michigan State more for the the tourney for uh, reasons I'm not going to bring up right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. It's Spartan Hoops underscore DK on Twitter, and uh, I got a website out there. I'm sure the Purdue fans are going to watch that because it's all Spartan Hoops stuff. But uh, I'm always posting college hoop stuff in general, and uh, I'm a Big Ten junkie, so I've been releasing some of the Big Ten player rankings. I did the guards. Um, I'm just finishing up the wings and the forwards, and then I'll eventually do the centers. So it's always a fun exercise. No, nobody ever has any disagreements about it. So it's it's great. Yep. Yeah, definitely no no comments underneath of uh, what you got right or wrong. So you can find me. Um, we are on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts at Feed the Post. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Um, have some fun videos coming out in addition to these Big Ten team previews. I want to kind of keep, um, as the season progresses, pumping out one, you know, one video every week or two, just kind of breaking down individual players, teams like that. So please like and subscribe if you are there. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeJacksonCVB. Um, And then we'll be back next week and we'll catch you with the next one.